Welcome to the Right Now Show. This show is all about inspiring our generation, people in their 20s, to go out and actually go for your dream, to find out what your purpose and your mission in life is. And I know that you listening, you are capable of so much more than you can possibly imagine. And I want you to go out and I want you to make that happen. And on this show, we're going to bring on people that have inspired us, that are absolutely just crushing it in life and have overcome insane odds. And this show is called The Right Now Show because the only thing that is truly real is this moment. Let's get into the show. All right. Welcome to The Right Now Show. Today we have Matthew Ace Haggerty. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's an author of Superhero by Design. Um, I've worked with him a little bit in the past. Doing, uh, I did his brand story for him. And now we finally got him on the podcast. So welcome to the show, Ace. Hey, thank you for having me, man. It's it's an honor and a privilege to be in front of you talking to you again, man. Yeah, man. So I want to talk about a little bit how we met. We met at a, uh, a UPW, a Tony Robbins event. I actually just interviewed someone last week at a UPW. Like I met him at the same event. But um, tell me how you got into that, like that mindset, that atmosphere and like, and like really like why you did. Yeah, it, it wasn't on purpose. I didn't seek someone to self-help me or anything like that. I first found out specifically about Tony Robbins probably about seven or eight years ago. And the only reason I sought him out was because my mentor at the time, who was also my boss, I was an employee of his, he had recommended Tony Robbins because he had gone to a few of his events. He also did coaching through Tony Robbins. And to be honest, when he recommended him at first, I kind of recognized his name, but really didn't. And I went onto his website and here's this gigantic man jumping up and down. This is on the home screen of the website at the time. Yeah. Jumping up and down. He had like a giant super soaker. He's soaking the crowd. Lights are flashing. His hands are going up and down. And I'm just thinking to myself, what the hell is this? is this a cult? Like what the hell mm-hmm. is going on? I would never seen anything like it. And it seemed very salesy and hokey and kind of just like, this doesn't seem real. Like I don't like this. And I was a little adverse to it at first, but then, uh, instead of going to an event right away, I got one of his book and I believe it's, it's his first book. It's called unleash the giant within something like that. Yep. And when I read that book, I was hooked on Tony Robbins. And the reason why I was hooked on it, he talks about reprogramming your brain. And this was years ago before I wrote my book and really did that deep dive on, on uh, the nervous system. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that and get deep into that. But he had given me from that book an exercise on how to rewire my brain. So at the time, I was suffering from a lot of anxiety. I was having panic attacks at that time. This was when my parents were really sick. My mother had cancer. My dad had a slew of health issues as well. And for me personally, I'm a structural engineer by trade. So I design buildings. I've, I don't design bridges, but I know bridges. I know how they're built. I know how they're constructed. I've mm-hmm. never professional. Well, I say that I, I have built small little bridges, but what I had found was when all this anxiety and panic and all of that started happening, it would find itself in weird places. And one of the places that it would show up was when I would drive over bridges, just the anticipation sure. of approaching the bridge my heart would start beating fast. I was getting into flight or fight mode. I didn't know what was happening. My palms would start sweating. My mind would start racing. My vision would narrow. And there were a few times that like last second, right before my car was going to get on the bridge, I jerked off and went off to the side of the road, literally in like the the pull off lane, if there was one. And I would just sit there like hyperventilating, like freaked out that I'm about to get on this bridge And I did not know what the hell was going on. And I was seeing a psychologist at the time and he he was phenomenal how he explained it to me that my, my panic, my anxiety 
was one from an unhealthy lifestyle. I was going out a lot, drinking, things like that at the time, but also two is very fear-based and having to face the reality of my parents possibly not being on alive for very much longer and me being in my mid to late twenties scared the hell out of me. And so once I realized that my fight or flight was a fear-based response and it didn't seem very rational because being a structural engineer, I loved bridges. I would fall asleep while my mom was driving me on bridges as a kid. I've done tours of bridges that have been recently built um, from uh, where I was in the Bay Area in California, like the the New Bay Bridge. I got to tour it. So we took a ferry out and we got to climb up to the top of the bridge and walk around the bridge. Like I never had, I loved bridges, but the fear of things in my head, like what if I get hit? What if I run off the side? I'm dead. And so these images and these flashes and that mixed with the fear of being alone without my parents and all of that manifested itself and the unhealthy lifestyle manifested itself in something that I used to love and it was bridges. So yeah, I say that because in the Tony Robbins book, he talks about that kind of situation. So when I would approach the bridge originally, I would start breathing shallow. My hands would start sweating. My mind would start racing. I would think of crashing. I would think of all these bad things and it would just build up and up and up. So what he said in the book, instead of doing that, imagine yourself driving over the bridge, but instead of like bad stuff happening, imagine you're smiling. Look at the water that you're crossing over, how beautiful it is, or the scenery, the sun is shining. The sky is big and blue and beautiful. And so put it in color, do things like put, put it in color and make it really, um, I wouldn't say really big because uh, he has you do different things with the images you use in your head, but just imagine like you going over it and look at the smile on your face and look how much you're enjoying going over the bridge rather than the scary me pulling off on the side of the road, hyperventilating, scared to death and almost having panic attacks while I'm driving on the bridge. So think of my experience, change my experience. And then also at the same time, while I'm thinking about that, speed it up. So like a cartoon, go over the bridge really fast and then hit rewind. You know, you're, you're a film guy, like hit rewind, (laughs) go backwards. Or for people that are my age, the, the, uh, um, oh fuck what are those tapes called i don't even remember what the vhs like a vhs tape yeah, yeah, yeah. god I, it's, okay. it, I guess i'm older but shoot i don't even remember how to pronounce a vhs right. tape so imagine yourself going over back over back and then speed it up slow it down add a funny voice you know have me going over the bridge going like yeah i'm going over the and you know like a cartoon <laughs> like crazy shit right because what you're doing oh, yeah. is you're taking the 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 neurological connections the firings that are normally going on in your brain and you're scrambling them yeah therefore my usual panic my usual stress when i go over bridges i just broke those those that circuitry i messed that circuitry up by doing all these crazy images seeing myself like as a cartoon just having the time of my life going over the bridge forward back forward back and the reason he had me go through that exercise was exactly that to break those patterns. Tony Robbins is all about patterns and pattern recognition, breaking patterns, and then setting up ultimately new patterns. That's the thing he teaches. Right. And that we also got to re for me, relearn that at UPW where we had originally met. And so once I read that book, I was hooked on Tony Robbins. I think he is a phenomenal man. Yes. He's also a businessman too. And he he's made a very lucrative business out of what he does, but he does, change people's lives and i would pay through the nose to spend time with him to be with him to be also with the people that's something that a lot of people don't realize is when you go to one of these events i get to meet guys like you i get to be around people like your business partner joshua gillow and then you get to meet all these amazing people from all over the world that just want to better themselves and they want to do better for the world and for the people around them and call it drinking the Kool-Aid. I drank that Kool-Aid a long time ago and I just love it. And my my life today is a reflection of all the positivity and the 
amazing changes that I made because of that initial decision from my mentor right. to tell me to go and me thinking, Oh man, this is, this is crazy. Like no, no way in hell am I going to this, but yeah, I, I, I am so blessed that, that he pointed me in that direction because that changed the tr- complete trajectory of my life. And I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be in front of you and I wouldn't be doing all the amazing things that I am doing not to pat myself on the back, but it's because of who I am and my mission and my purpose and what I'm set to do in life. Yeah. So, uh, before we get into, uh, the next question, can you just shout out your Instagram, um, your book, um, where people can find you? Yeah. So the book is called superhero by design. You can find it on Amazon and Kindle. That's the main driver of the book. Uh, I also do have a podcast that you are on one of the episodes also called superhero by design. You can find it anywhere. Podcasts are played specifically Apple podcast or Spotify. It was a good podcast. It was definitely a good one. We chopped it up. Oh, that was a lot of fun, man. That was, we did that one live and I normally do podcasts like this where, you know, we're doing it remotely doing it live for the first time brought up a lot. And I, and I've, I knew you pretty well by that point anyways, Yeah. but it was so different and it brought up like a lot of things. You do something new. There's going to be a little bit of fear, Mm. a little bit of anxiety, but now the anxiety doesn't lead me to panic anymore. The anxiety doesn't control me. I control it. I'm able to take moments where I feel anxious or uncertain. And I'm able to use different tools that I've learned to take my arousal level down, take my, what I call, well, what is called the autonomic nervous system, take my, my self down from my sympathetic to my parasympathetic nervous system through breathing, through intentional thoughts, incantations, things like that. And yeah, I had so much fun, but I was so nervous to begin with because it it wasn't because it was you. Well, partially it was because it was you actually, because I wanted (laughs) to have a really good show with you. And, 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 you know, I have a harder time actually interviewing people and being on these types of shows with people that I know rather than I don't, it's, it's really weird. You would think it would be the opposite, but anytime I'm in front of you or Joshua or Dr. Wagner or any of those guys that I spend a lot of time with, I get very nervous and very anxious, but I'm able to snap myself out of it, continue your start the conversation. And then it's like anything else. And so, yeah, we're constantly, having to wire and rewire ourselves. We're either strengthening certain wires mm-hmm. or we're making other wires weaker. It it's never, it's never the same. You can't coast in life. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're creating things. You're, I wouldn't say destroying things, but you're changing things by breaking them down. Just like going to the gym, you're breaking down your body to build it up Yeah. type thing. So it, the mind works exactly the same way. It's just, instead of lifting weights, you're doing other things to break those connections and make better, stronger, new ones, or strengthening the ones you have that you, that you want to keep. No, definitely. Yeah. So I want to dig into your story. Um, I want to start it with like, what does your life look like right now? And then I want to bring it back to, you know, some of the things that you struggled with in life. So what does life look like for Matthew Ace Haggerty right now? Well, I would say my life right now is absolutely fantastic. I am full of life every single day. I'm doing what's called the hundred day challenge. It's like 75 hard for your listeners that know what 75 and Andy for who Andy Frisella is great program, but this is like 75 hard on crack. It's way tougher. There's a lot more things going on and it's hundred days instead of 75. So I'm doing that right now. And one of the things I told myself I would do is get up at five o'clock. I was getting up from my last challenge at five 30 every day. And which was really difficult because I was a six, six 30, seven o'clock wake up guy for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And f- during the first hundred day challenge, waking up at five 30, I remember it took a good two to three weeks for me to get used to it this time around. And it's in my book about, I have a whole superpower chapter on sleep, how to change your circadian clock, all of that. What I did this time is like, okay, instead of five 30, I'm going to set a new standard. I'm going to raise the bar this time on everything because that's what happens in life. When you raise the bar on something, you get used to it and you, you can plateau. So you got to constantly raise the bar throughout your entire life. You're either growing or you're dying. So I said five o'clock. Well, that lasted 
maybe a week. And we were in the freaking Grand Canyon at that time. So I don't even count that. And since we got back from the Grand Canyon, I've been doing this for a few more weeks. It hasn't been five o'clock that I've been waking up without alarm. Without an alarm, I've been waking up between yeah. three and four in the morning every day. Sometimes it's four, like this morning I got up at four, but sometimes it's three thirty. Sometimes it's three o'clock. Yeah. I turn to my clock. I'm like, all right, it's go time because I've got such a strong mission to better myself, to be an example for people and lead them to make the changes that I made in my life and to live a life like, like I do that I'm up three, four in the morning. Last night I, I went to bed at 11. So I only got five hours of sleep. I feel absolutely fine. I got up, I went to the gym, I hit the gym hard. I even added, in addition to lifting, I added cardio today. And I've been able to do, knock out a bunch of work already. I've been able to have good time. Like I, I had a really good and deep conversation with Joshua earlier this morning, working through some stuff uh, in our lives together. And shoot, right now, the time, central, 10, 10.30. Like by the time this podcast is done, I've already put before noon, it's 11 o'clock. I've already put six, seven hours of real good stuff in. And right now wow. I'm averaging between 16 to 19 hours a day of just hitting it hard. So after this podcast, which most people would have done in a full day's worth of work, I'm only a third of the way through. And some people, when they hear that, they're like, well, it's not sustainable. It's not healthy. You, can, you can't do that. Who, who do you think you are? You're making me look at myself and feel bad about what I do. That's really what's going on, yeah. right? Yeah. But so how, how do you do it? I like, oh, there, it's, it's not that difficult once you learn. So first of all, I don't recommend five hours of sleep a night. I think you should at least get six sleep cycles are 90 minutes long. So you want at least four sleep cycles or, uh, or all tradient cycles, which essentially right. is just a 90 minute cycle. Um, you want at least four of those because you want later in the night is when you really get your REM sleep earlier in the night you don't get much REM sleep. It's part of the sleep cycle, but it's not the majority. You get more slow wave right. sleep with slow wave is great because it, it for athletes and people that are physical, it helps your body. Um, it, it really instills like repairing your body, but the REM sleep, that's where your brain gets cleaned out and your mind. And if you don't go with REM sleep, alcohol, pot, things like that mess up your REM sleep. So if you're a, dr a big drinker or you love to smoke pot, that's going to really hurt you in the long term because you don't get that good, yeah. that good REM sleep. And actually, if you go too long without REM sleep, you can start hallucinating things like that. It, it turns out to be all bad. So yeah. I don't recommend five hours every night or four hours, which I do sometimes. Yeah. So there are. For sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like your sleep and your diet, like all that's important, but it seems like your mission, your why is what's really driving you. Yeah. And like I, that's the number one thing. And I'm, I'm smart about it. And I'm making sure to time myself when I go to sleep, you know, yeah. sometimes I'm, I'm up later because I'm still doing things, nightly rituals, things like that. But yeah, going off, let's just say last night of five hours of sleep, you know, I do things like I, I go to the gym. Exercise is great at uh, boosting your adrenaline, boosting your dopamine, things that keep you energized and motivated. Dopamine is just motivation, drive. People call it the pleasure chemical, but it's more motivation drive than anything else. Adrenaline, it just gets you energetic. So I do the gym. I do cold showers, which are phenomenal. I do uh, rebounding, which essentially is a little trampoline that I have set up. I, that's why I was like, Zach, I'm going to be a couple minutes late is because I love rebounding before I come on to a show because it puts me in such an excitable energetic state that and and i think so much clearer too it clears my lymphatic system so it makes me healthier boosts my immune system also working out boosts your immune system eating well cold showers so you're seeing i'm i'm stacking all of these things that are releasing good things like adrenaline yeah. um, a good amount of cortisol which is a stress hormone which is very necessary people are like oh cortisol bad it's actually very natural and beneficial in certain amounts dopamine so I, I, I learned about all these neurochemicals and hormones that we have in our body. And I learned tools 
that use them in the right way. And I'll tell you this, by the afternoon, I may or may not be tired. And, but that's okay. Down in Mexico, they call them siestas. Up here, mm-hmm. I could take a, what I call a power nap, a 20 to 25 minute nap, where essentially I just lay down, close my eyes, just make my breathing deeper. And I'll be out, not even with, I don't need an alarm or anything. I'm out 20, 25 minutes max. And I'm ready to go. I don't want to sleep too long because then if I go through a full sleep cycle in the afternoon, then that messes up my circadian clock and all that. So, but I'll do that. I'll do sleep hypnosis. I'll meditate. I also meditate before I go to bed to make myself calm my body, calm my mind. So I'm able to run at 16, 17, 18, 19, sometimes hours a day because I have the right tools and not all of it is go, 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 go. A lot of it is self-reflection. I do journaling at night. I read every day twice a day. I read my Bible in the morning and I read a self-help book or a doc, uh, not a documentary, like um, a biography or even an entertaining book, sometimes nonfiction um, or fiction. Shoot. I always get those mixed up fiction. Um, <laughs> and it's not twilight, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I do. How do you have, how do you have all the discipline to do all this day in and day out? Like, how do you have all that energy? Yeah. You know, the right tools, but you still have to take the action every day, day in and day out. Well, you know, it's, it goes back to your mission. It goes back to your why. And it also is training yourself. I wouldn't have been able to do 16 plus hour days during the first hundred day challenge. I did good long days and I knew it was only for a hundred days, but now that I've leveled up, it's on to the next level. And I didn't think this was going to happen. I thought it would be very similar to the first hundred days, but it wasn't. This is completely different. I am operating on such a higher level, which is what you're supposed to do anyways. And, but it's really your why, your mission, that is the whole fuel for this. Because if it's not strong enough, you're going to peter out. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to get quote unquote burned out. I'm not fucking burned out. I'm on fire. <laughs> I love it, man. So for the listeners listening at home, you know, first of all, how do they, how do they build up this discipline? You don't want to just throw everything at them at the same time. Depends right? on the person, right? Everything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's the first question. And then following, like, how do they attach that? Why? How do they find that? Why? How do they find that mission to attach to, you know, doing all those things and achieving that discipline? Yeah. So it, it depends on the individual. I had a very strong why to begin with when I jumped into all of this. If anybody checks out your social media or mine, by the way, I, my handles are Ace Haggerty. So I think Instagram is like at Ace Haggerty. TikTok yeah. is the same. Facebook is actually Matthew Ace Haggerty. And then I have a YouTube channel as well. Don't ask me what the handle on that one is. I'm still kind of a dinosaur sometimes at that. And I just say that as a joke. I'm not a dinosaur. I'm not millions of years old. I'm only getting to 40, even though some, some millennials think I'm a, I'm a probably, or what is it? Gen Z at this time or something like that. Your age. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Age is just a number. It doesn't matter. (laughs) For sure. So it depends on the individual. What part, ask yourself, what parts of your life first do you want to improve? Do you want to improve health and fitness? Do you want to improve your relationships? Do you want to improve your finances? Do you want to improve your, what I call work career mission? Do you want to improve your spiritual walk? So there's all these, what I call the eight categories of life. There's these eight categories, you know, in the hundred day challenge, we choose how many we want to do. For me at that time, I chose all eight because every part of my life was a mess to my standard or where, and where I wanted to go. And I had to make massive change because at that time, my now ex-wife, but at that time she approached me and said she wanted to separate. And that was something I did not want to lose was my marriage. I never thought I would be divorced. Yeah. I played it very conservative. I thought I had found the right person. And so I was willing to fight for everything, but through this whole metamorphosis, through this whole transformation that I went through, I learned that it wasn't, my marriage I was saving, it was myself. It was my soul that I was saving. And one, once I realized that, that's way more important than anything worldly, any relationship I'll ever be in, any friendship I'll ever be in, any amount of money I'll ever have or not have, win, lose. If I lose my soul, that's game over, period. I was not going to lose that. So that's the leverage I used on myself. 
that if I didn't complete this 100 day challenge, I didn't completely transform my life in every facet of my life, then I was going to lose my soul. And so once I had that massive amount of leverage, eight categories, it could have been 16 categories and I still would have figured something out. Right. Yeah. So that you actually kind of motivated me with, with that, as far as, you know, like losing your soul, you kind of almost, I don't know if if people are religious watching this, but you almost pick God or you pick the devil in, in the way I'm kind of thinking about it right now. So, you know, what did your life look like beforehand? And, you know, were you living for God beforehand? And then like, you kind of discovered this, all these things. And then you're like, oh, I need to save my soul and live for God. Well, is that kind of what it is? Yeah, that that's my mission now. Beforehand, I would say my life was, so my middle name is Joseph. I might be changing to Ace, but we'll see. Uh, my middle name is Joseph. And so I had a name for that person. I didn't realize it then, but now that I'm not that person anymore, I realized that I was average Joe. I called him average Joe. And I look back at my life before I started really making a change. And I had a spiritual walk. I went to church every so often. It would, you know, my relationship with God and the church and everything would get better and then it would regress. And mm. I had an exercise the same way. I'd go to the gym, I'd either bulk up or I'd slim down. But then after a few months, I'd kind of peter out and I'd go back to what I was. In in the book, I call that that uh, super villain, I call it the thermostat. So if you think of a thermostat, let's say you mm. like it at, I don't know, 68 degrees. And if you start slacking on everything you're doing, now you're going from 68 to 67 to 66, and then the heater is going to kick on. You know, it's like people that get, they look into themselves in the mirror and they're like, man, I, I gained a lot of weight. I'm going to do something about this. And they do it just to the point. So they get from their good temperature, they go down too cold, heater kicks in, boom, they get back to the ideal temperature, which for me was average yeah. Joe. And then some, and then sometimes I would surpass that and I would get 72, 73, 74 degrees and then boom air conditioner hits and I would drop back down. So I'd stop going to the gym, stop. I can sneak in a meal here. I can have, I'm in Nashville. I can have hot chicken and then I'd go back. And so I was constantly playing the victim to my supervillain, average Joe through the metaphor of a thermostat. And that just made me miserable because I never felt like I was really gaining traction in life in general. I was moving forward, but not at the rate that I wanted to, not with what in my mind, my vision of how I truly wanted to impact the world. I wasn't going to hit that at all. And for your listeners, I turned 40 in about three weeks. So maybe by the time this airs, I might already be 40, but I have more energy. I have more drive. I have a stronger mission. I have a better life than I did when I was in my twenties. I could kick my 20 year old's ass right now. No problem. And I believe it. And it's, it's amazing. And this, we keep talking age and numbers and things like that. Age doesn't really matter. It's like, once you make that decision to really change your life and to take control of your life and live your purpose, live your mission, whether you're 16, you're 21, 28, 38, 72, it doesn't matter because once you do that, all those years before you start looking at they're like, wow, that was just preparation to get me to this one point. Now the real fun begins. Now the real work begins. Now the real fight begins, but you don't look at it as like, Oh, I'm going to struggle. This is going to be so tough. I don't want to do this because once you've taken that ownership of yourself and your life, you're going to expect it to be hard because anybody that's ever done anything worth anything it's been difficult to do. You could, you could simplify it. And, and that's a great way. There's a difference between being easy and simplifying things. Life is not going to be easy. Life is going to be hard if you want to do good things, but you can simplify it to make what is hard a lot more manageable. You don't overcomplicate it. You don't make it too complex. And that was one of my biggest problems too, is I being an engineer by trade, always made things a lot more complex than they should be. Um, So yeah, just really simplifying your life, having a clear mission, because once you get clarity, that brings confidence. If you're clear on what your mission is, 
you might not know how the hell you're going to hit it, but you are confident that you know where that bullseye is and you're going to fucking hit it no matter what. Right. Yeah, man. So I definitely, I love that by the way, you absolutely killed that. Um, you know, back when a couple of years ago and you, you had to save your soul. I want to know where that came from. I want to hit on that more because that really interests me. Like, where did that come from? And how do you, how did you find that? Why? Cause that's such a big, why that, that purely came from my mentor, my, for lack of a better term, you can call him a life coach. I pay this guy to talk to him every yeah. other week, but you're, you need a coach in life no matter what. And I'm going to just give this little quick aside, no matter what you do in life, you need coaching, whether you want to learn a sport, play an instrument, higher education, you know, your professors are essentially coaches. You need a coach in life. I needed a life coach. And that's how I found my why, because he's the one that put on this hundred day challenge. He's the mastermind behind the hundred day challenge, Dr. Keith Wagner. And I told him, I, I was like, you know, my why is really to save my marriage. I don't want to be divorced. She's the love of my life. I want to make this work. And he flat out told me, he's like, that's not good enough. Saving your marriage is great. And I love where your head is at, but that's not going to get you through this hundred days, especially with what you put on yourself because he knows he's done this for years and he's done it with thousands of people. He's like, you got to find something stronger, something deeper, something more meaningful. Like marriage is great and all, don't get me wrong, but there are bigger things in life. And that's when I stopped looking outward at what I wanted to fix or repair or get better, the outward things. Well, I have no control over that. I have no control over my ex-wife, but I do have control over myself. So once you start looking inward, that's where you find your mission because it's, it's kind of a weird thing to say because you have to look inward, but it's at the end of the day, it's all about what you can do outward to help other people yeah. to contribute, but you have to find it within. So for me, I was like, well, my spiritual walk is important to me and I want to make it even stronger. And if I don't have a soul, how the hell am I going to have a relationship with God? Mm. I won't I'll have a relationship with the devil and I'll be his slave. I'd rather be a servant of God than a slave to the devil. Right. And by serving God, that gives me the ability to serve others. And I do that by bettering myself so that I am better, more capable. My abilities can help other people, which is exactly what's happened. Yeah. Do you think pleasure ties to the devil and purpose ties to God? That is a great question. Because pleasure is, is amazing, right? Eating a good meal, being with a, a partner, being intimate with a partner. Those are, those are gifts from, in my opinion, those are gifts from God. Yeah. But you got to understand that if you're just living for pleasure, what kind of life are you actually living? Cause you're just, that's, you know, where well, yeah. all the addictions come from, right? You're just, you love the chemicals that are coming through your body. You love the changes that are coming through, but it doesn't take any work or effort. I used to joke. I was like, man, I love beer because I can have two beers and sit on the couch and I am having a blast. And that was true. <laughs> I'd have, I liked IPAs. Mm -hmm. have two IPAs. I'll be sitting on my couch with a big smile on my face. I'll feel a little tipsy. I'd be like, man, this is awesome. But did I work for it? Is it going to change my life? especially in a positive way, it's going to change my life probably in a negative way, given enough time yeah. and enough beers, my belly's going to get big. My health is going to go down. My relationships are going to suffer. My mindset's going to suffer. So pleasure is a great thing. I get a lot of pleasure from helping people. I get a lot mm -hmm. of pleasure from being strict with my diet and then being able to say, Oh, I'll have some ice cream. Like, you know how good ice cream tastes when you don't eat it every day. Cause I still eat ice cream. I'll still have pizza. Yeah. I do it. I love it. Remember grand Canyon. I had six freaking slices of pizza. And I <laughs> loved every minute of it. Yeah. So I don't think they're directly one is for one. One is for the other. I feel God has given us all of that, but he's also Spider-Man says with great power, there also must come great responsibility. 
-hmm. If I want to be a leader in this world and I want to make a massive change, there's a responsibility that comes with it. I can't tell people, Hey, diet, exercise, fitness. You know, I lost 45 pounds in that span that I did the first hundred day challenge. I couldn't have done that if I was just eating for pleasure every day. Like part of being a leader and living a meaningful life. I'm sorry to tell your listeners this, but you have to suffer. You have to suffer if you want to do anything great. And I'm not saying suffering in the way that most people think like, woe is me. I'm playing the victim. I'm suffering as a champion because I know it's going to make me stronger. It's going to make my mental capacity stronger. It's going to make me physically stronger. You don't go to the gym and expect to lift weights by it feeling good. You can, you can release dopamine and give what are called intermittent rewards doing that. But life is not meant to be comfortable. We did not survive as a species being comfortable. We're comfortable now because we have everything at our fingertips. Right. Even in, in the time I've lived, I grew up in the late eighties, early nineties. We didn't have Uber eats or all of uh streaming Netflix or anything like that. And it just gets we, we're driven more and more towards comfort, comfort, comfort. And what does comfort bring people? It brings them, it doesn't bring them happiness. Like some people might think they're happy sitting on a beach, drinking their Mai Tais with their one to two week vacations that they get every year. To me, that mm. sounds absolutely miserable. Yep. I don't like those vacations. I like to climb mountains. I like to meet locals and learn about their culture and connect with them. I love connection. I love people. I think deep down, that's all we're seeking. We're, we're community driven species. We are all about love and connection. I'm not really connecting with people if I'm getting drunk all the time. Right. How many times have you gotten wasted and you've really had a heart to heart? You think you did, right? You, oh, I opened mm-hmm. up. I'm so sad. I've been drinking and now I can be truthful about my life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why can't you be, why can't you cry and be truthful with somebody and be sober? You'll remember it. Alcohol messes with you. It shuts down your prefrontal cortex. That's why you're not good at decision-making and your memories aren't very good when you drink because it literally shuts down parts of your brain. That's that's, I'm not making this shit up. That's actual science. And so I'm not, and I'm not here to hate on alcohol, hate all that stuff. That's not my, my MO. My MO is I can only tell people my experience. And when I cut out the bad stuff and focus on the good stuff, man, life is sweet. Life is so sweet and it's better than it's ever been. And it's going to continue to get better and better and better. I love that, man. So where do you see all this going? I mean, obviously you've made these huge leaps over the last couple of years. Um, Where do you see your life going? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do in your life? Well, my life, there's two pillars to my mission. There's growth and there's contribution. So I want to continue growing. So that means stepping up my game with my fitness, with my health, with my learning, with all the things I want to do, like starting this podcast that I have was huge. Now, now I'm into public speaking, which means I need to put the reps in with public speaking. I need to be training every day, becoming a better public speaker, because if I can convey my message, communicate more clearly and concisely and reach more people. Now I'm doing the second pillar contribution. So growth and contribution are inherently linked with one another. And the more I'm growing, the more I'm going to be contributing because that's what I want to do. I don't want to grow for growing sake so that I can have more. I want to grow so that I can give more. And that's what my future is. That's how it's going to unfold. Now, mm-hmm. I can't tell you precisely to say like, well, I want $50 million in the bank. I want to drive a Bentley. I don't think that's even the cool young car, but, um, and that's not even my car. I want a freaking Land Cruiser, like a, uh, an F six sixty five, like an old school Land Cruiser, two seater. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Look it up. They are badass. <laughs> That'll take you anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. I w- and, but the great thing is it's not a hundred thousand dollars. It's not even nearly as much as some of the Teslas these days. Um, but you know, I, I want to just experience life. I want to travel more. 
I want to be around more people. What you're doing with Brand You and your mission to go all over the world telling people stories. Like yeah. I want to do that in the capacity of connecting with people, mm-hmm. leading them, teaching them, but also learning from them. People forget like it's reciprocal when you're giving to someone else, they're going to be giving back to you. That's just how the law there's these basic principles and the law of attraction is one of those, whatever you give, you're going to get back. Yeah. And so I focus on what can I give? What can I give? That's with my thoughts, my words, and my deeds, positive thoughts, positive words, and positive deeds. I try to, I do all these rituals every day to feed that system. And it's no wonder I'm happy all the time. Even if I could have a shit day and shit gets thrown at me, which it does on a daily basis because I'm actually living there's there's something teddy roosevelt talked about called the man in the arena i'm not going to read it but read for your listeners read the man in the arena because it talks about the people that are really living life are the people that are in the arena not in the seats but down in the middle like glad you think a gladiator like you are fighting you are playing that sport you are pushing and everyone else is just looking and criticizing and being comfortable. It's not comfortable mm-hmm. to be in the middle of the arena. Everyone's looking at you. Everyone's trying to cut you down. That's just how human nature works. Yep. But I'd rather be the man standing there, whether I live through it or I die trying. Right. I'd rather at the end of my life, I'd rather look back and be like, I was that man. I wasn't in the crowd. I was down in the field. I was in the game of life. And once, mm-hmm. once you start doing that, and understanding that there's sacrifices you have to make to be that person, to live that kind of life. Right. doesn't make them easy, but it makes it worth it. It makes it worth it every single day that you're willing to get up at three, four fucking o'clock in the morning and stay up till 10 and 11 and go mm. the entire time. I'm not watching Netflix. Like I do watch Netflix sometimes. I love my Netflix, but I watch it maybe once a week. And it's yeah. not because I'm against it. It's because I, I'm doing too much other important stuff. I'm doing too many other things that I love to do, whether it's reading, whether it's talking to friends and really connecting with them, whether it's going out with friends, um, going, I'm in Nashville, live music, experiencing live music is one of the best pleasures God has ever given us. I love live music. I get to experience that whenever I want here. And so when you start And this all goes back to mission. This all starts at taking control of your life. And once you make those, those core decisions, those core choices, that is going to be your path to living a completely different life. I love that, man. Yeah. You pumped me up there. That's for sure. Um, So I asked you this question in the interview room when I did your brand story, when I interviewed you for your brand story, what breaks your heart the most? Oh, the story uh, in the, in the brand story, it's seeing people be unhappy. And I agree. I hate to see people suffering in the bad way. I hate to see people being miserable. One of the things I started paying attention to when I interact with anybody these days is just listening to what they're saying, not to understand what they're saying, but for instance, when I go up to a client and they say something that might be disempowering, like, oh, everything's so expensive, or oh, I, I, I can't imagine myself doing that, anything like that. I start to just be curious about why they're saying that. I'm like, that's the story they're telling themselves. I had mentioned earlier thoughts, words, and deeds. Well, everything starts as a thought. And then if you think about it enough, it becomes words that you mm-hmm. say to yourself and words you start saying to other people. And then once their words, you know, they call it spelling. It's a spell. Once you start saying those, those words, that becomes your reality, whether you're taking action or not. And that's where the deeds come in. What, what are the things that are happening in your life, the things that you're doing in your life? So I just listen to what people say. And I'm like, is that a empowering story or is that a disempowering story? Because it, it can only be one of the two. What, what way are you looking at your life? Is life happening to you or is life happening for you? And so I just pay attention to what people say. I don't criticize them. I don't judge them. I just try to understand where they are. And once they start telling them these stories, 
that is what really bums me out. And that's why I've gone down this path. That's why I'm learning about NLP, neuro linguistic programming, because I want to be able to break those stories, those disempowering stories and belief, beliefs and convictions that people have about themselves or how the world works. I want yeah. to be able to intervene, break that circuitry that's going on in their nervous system so that that would allow the door to open to changing their perspective, to change mm. their stories, their beliefs. Because once a person starts changing his story, starts changing his beliefs, right? his life is going to change no matter what. And it all starts mm-hmm. from your thoughts, then what your words, and then ultimately that transforms itself into deeds. Yeah. So I think that kind of brings us into the event that we just did together. Um, it was Joshua Gill's event. Uh, mission mindset adventure and i know that was kind of special for you because we went in the grand canyon it was icy we were right on a cliff edge and you had an experience i don't know a couple of months before that where i'll let you tell the story from there um yeah you had a near-death experience well this past year one of the things i'm that was always on my bucket list that i would never do is hike a large mountain and so after the first hundred day challenge joshua was my partner and I was like, Hey man, do you want to celebrate completing the hundred day challenge by hiking a 14 er before the challenge? I didn't even know what a 14 er is. So 14 er means the summit is at 14,000 foot elevation or taller Colorado specifically has 58 of them. And so I was like, Hey, mm-hmm. let's, let's hike a 14 er Like I've never hiked a mountain like that. I've always wanted to, it'd be a great way to celebrate this victory. So, right. Celebrate the victory, not with beers and partying, but celebrate the victory by doing something freaking <laughs> insanely hard, crazy hard. Yeah. And I didn't tell Joshua at the time, but I told him as we were hiking up it, that I've never hiked more than a couple miles on flat ground before. And this thing was eight miles, 4,000 foot climb in the snow. We had snow shoes and all of that. It was crazy. So after that, I kind of got hooked. Like I, I really enjoyed that 14 or it took everything hardest physical thing I've ever done. And it pushed me mentally and it was an amazing experience. So Joshua and I decided to go to Mount Washington up in the Northeast and it's the tallest mountain up in the Northeast part of the country. And it's got the highest winds recorded of all North America at the summit. And it wasn't as crazy as the 14 er but it definitely was different. It was bouldering. You were climbing boulders of various sizes the entire way up. Yeah. And so we got up, we were the first ones up to the top of the mountain. Not that it was a race or anything, but we <laughs> had an early start and we freaking right. pushed ourselves. So, oh, we got, yeah. so we got to the top exhausted. Wind was insane. Like I had a hat on, I had to hold my hat down the whole time. It was just other world, worldly. We went up into the clouds. So like you were in the middle of clouds with these crazy winds. It was surreal because down at the, at the base, it was nice and sunny and about 70 degrees. And then you go up there, it's like 38 degrees, hundred mile per hour winds. It was insane. It's very dangerous too. Like anytime you do things like this, you have to be aware that you are closer to death, no matter what you do, because mother nature can turn on you at a moment's notice. So you're always Mm -hmm. taking a risk, but to me, it's a risk worth taking because I'm actually living. I'd rather die on that mountain than die from a heart attack because I eat too much McDonald's. So coming down the mountain, my legs were really tired and there's boulders everywhere, little rocks, big rocks. So you got to be careful going down or else you can slip, probably twist ankle, break an ankle, whatever. And so going down was another kind of pressure, but it was just killing my legs in a different way as well. And so there's a point of the hike. We decided to take a different way down. So we didn't see this on the way up, but there was a point of the hike where there were some beautiful waterfalls. If you go on my Facebook page, you can see this beautiful valley, this green valley. That's right when we got back under the clouds and it's pictures taken right above the waterfalls. I don't think you see the waterfalls, but you see the valley below it. Absolutely beautiful, breathtaking. And so we're hiking past the top of these waterfalls. So our shoes are getting wet. It's mossy, slippery, but I'm being very careful. I'm like, I don't want to slip and and hurt myself. And we were far enough from the edge that I wasn't worried about going over the edge or anything. But, uh, once we got past the waterfalls, there was the first part of the path, which was dirt. And I was so excited, so relieved. I was like, finally, not another freaking rock. And so my legs were tired. 
I was like, mentally, I didn't realize it at the time, but I shut my mind off. I was like, you know what? You can take a mental break. You don't have to worry about every little step because going up and going down, I was every focus, focus, focus. I didn't want to fall or hurt myself or anything like that. So I, I turned off my, my brain for a minute and I'm walking down this path and my, the edges to my right, my right foot hits a wet piece of grass that I didn't even see because I wasn't paying attention. And I slip and I fall off the edge of the cliff. Now, at that point of the hike, it was about a 75 foot to 100 foot drop onto sheer rock. Mm. And the exact place that I had fallen off because I didn't even have a chance to catch myself. It happened so fast that I couldn't even grab the edge. I just slipped and fell right off. Fell about five feet, landed on like a five foot by five foot platform of grass wow. and rock. And I just stood there because I landed on my feet. I just stood there. Oh, with, just, oh wow. Yeah. And I wasn't I looking you on your feet. Yeah. I, I wasn't looking outward at the, at the beautiful Valley. I was looking back at the face of the, the cliff that I just fell off of because I was trying to grab, but it happened so fast that there was no way. And even if I was able to grab something, I don't think it would have held me. Yeah. And I just stopped and my heart started pounding. You know, when you almost get like in a car accident and then after the fact, your heart starts um, beating really fast and your adrenaline right. kicks up and you're like, you're yeah. just like super amped. I was just like, Oh my goodness. And I didn't even realize what happened. All I knew is I was st standing there and a little bit above my head or at my eye line was, was the trail. And Joshua turns around and it's like, Oh my God, he runs over. I'm like, no, I'm okay. And I get back up on the trail. I catch my breath, hearts racing mile, million miles a second. I look over and I'm like, wow, I could have just died. Or best case, quadriplegic, fully paralyzed, best case. Mm -hmm. And that was the one spot. If I had fallen before that, I would have fallen off the edge. If I had fallen past that, I would have fallen off the edge. And wow. what I got out of that was two things. Never lose focus. Never lose focus because the enemy is already always there. And the enemy might have been me slipping, but I was careless. In a dangerous situation, I should not have been careless. I should have still kept enough focus to know I shouldn't have been that close to the edge. I should have known right. that my feet were wet and that there was wet grass at the edge. Mm -hmm. I lost focus and that almost cost me my life. But also at the same time, I honestly feel God saved me for yeah. a purpose because on that mountain, that same exact day, someone else did die Wow! from the cold. Like, I don't think he was dressed well enough. And we read it on the news a couple of days later Jeez. that someone just got too cold, fell to the ground, fell asleep and, and died. And that could have been me that day. So I remember that every day to remember, remind myself one, never lose focus because we are on a battleground every day. Never lose focus of where you're at, what you're doing and what your mission is. But also too, that I was chosen. I'm not saying I'm special or anything like that. I'm as special as anybody else, but mm. I understand my potential. I understand my mission. And that's yep. why I'm able to do the things that I do today. So why I tell you this story is leading up to the Grand Canyon. I had a lot of fears and reservations because I hadn't hiked them. Now the Grand Canyon's, uh, it's not a mountain. It's a canyon. But it's the yeah. same, same difference, except the, mountain, sure, yeah. the Grand Canyon is freaking <laughs> the massive. Yeah, yeah, you're just going down to start with, and then you have the joy of going up. And on top of it, there was snow. And so the fear of falling again, the fear of losing focus, the fear of, of all of that. And in the past, I used to shy from it. I'd run away from fear and a traumatic experience like that, because that, that was a traumatic experience. But oh, I'm yeah. not giving it power. But even if I wasn't giving it power, that fear was still there because I had, I knew I had to get back so on that horse, so to speak, like I got thrown off the horse, but what you do when you get thrown off a horse, you jump the fuck back on to get over my fears of driving over bridges. Not only did I do that Tony Robbins event or that Tony Robbins exercise, I drove over bridges. I drive over a bridge. I turn, make a U-turn, drive over the bridge again, make a U-turn, drive over the bridge again, make a U-turn, drive over the bridge. Oh, Let's, let's do a crazier, bigger bridge. 
scares the hell out of me, but I'm going to do it. And so I told myself, I have to do this. And when we started at the Grand Canyon, it was like five in the morning, pitch black, ice, snow, sheer cliffs into pure black darkness. Fears Mm -hmm. came up, but the the cool thing about having a tribe of people like, like you, Zach and Joshua and some other people is I'm okay to admit my fears. I'm okay. Right. We talk ourselves through it. We support each other. We mm-hmm. were there the entire way, helping each other out. And it's crazy too, because I did pretty well. One other guy in the group froze. Like he turned into literally like a shell, like a turtle. Like he, his right. arms came in, his knees buckled and he kind of went into a fetal position. And when I saw that, I was like, holy shit. Like I thought I had fears controlling me. Mm-hmm. Like this guy just completely froze. But the great thing too is he pushed through it with the love, the support, the encouragement of everybody. And he yeah. freaking rocked that week. That guy had huge breakthroughs. And that's why he I did. love doing what I do now. These experience mm-hmm. events with mission mindset, bettering myself, leading, teaching people. Cause when you see people break through fears like that, Oh yeah. He did not think he could do it. He barely could start going down that Canyon and the guy just made an epic breakthrough. And that is what life is all about. Those moments, those experiences. And that's why I train the way I train every fucking day. No days off. I love it, man. I love it, man. Can you uh, explain to the viewers, you know, what is Mission Mindset Adventure for people who have no idea what it is? Yeah. So Mission Mindset Adventure is doing cool. On the surface, it's doing cool shit, going to the Grand Canyon, doing 14ers. You know, this is just in the infancy stage. Like we are going to come up with some pretty fucking crazy shit. We're talking about bike rides in Moab Desert, tuk tuk races in India, you know, this thing's going to go international. No question about that. But so it's the do cool shit. But the reason why Mm -hmm. we do cool shit is one, you're going to push yourself physically, you're going to push yourself mentally. And then there's the whole mindset part of it. So before whatever epic thing experience we're going to do, we do a lot of uh, mindset work, mindset exercises, mindset training, different types of, uh, rituals, habits that I do like in my normal life. Um, and so we teach this to the people, to everybody and people are having like emotional and psychological breakthroughs, even before we do this event, like the main event, main event is just, just the fun part where you get to use what you've learned in a matter of a day or two, like this all happens over the course of two to three days. So it's a very condensed time frame, but you're taking what people would could take years, if not sometimes decades to accomplish. You could do that in a weekend. Right. And that's where the real breakthroughs happen. These immersion events. Tony Robbins does the same thing. We'll circle back to the beginning of the interview. Tony Robbins has immersion events for this very reason, because you can make a massive amount of change in a, uh, a small amount of time. So that's what mission mindset is. It's really changing your mindset personal breakthroughs and then playing in the arena of life. Yep, exactly. Yeah. For those listening, um, if you're interested in doing like a mission mindset adventure, DM me, DM ACE, um, ask us about it and maybe you can come. Um, It's going to be an invite only kind of thing. I'm I'm pretty sure in the future. So um, I mean, it's an amazing event. We get to do bucket list challenges. Um, We want to bring one that's local and affordable over to Pennsylvania in the Poconos. That's probably the next one we're going to do. It's probably going to be more catered to um, our generation, people in their 20s. So definitely reach out to us if that is something in your interest. But uh, Ace, what was uh, what is your purpose? What is I know we all we all came up with our purpose, our mission in life, so to speak, at that event. What did you come up with? Well, the purpose of my life is that through my thoughts, my words, and my deeds, I am a humble servant of God who leads people to live meaningful lives. And by being a servant of God, that means I serve him. So I have a relationship with him. I sacrifice for him. And that includes going to the gym. That includes a very strict diet. That includes reading every day. That includes studying every day. That includes just being a good person and, and helping other people. Earlier today, 
so I'm a contractor by trade now. Um, I don't think I'll be doing this forever. I know I won't be doing this forever. I talked to the lady that I buy grass from because I'm finishing up a project. I need grass. And so I was talking to her and we just get talking about things more than just grass. And she opens up to me about her husband. He has stage four cancer. They found out uh, New Year's Eve that he had cancer. And then they found out on Valentine's Day that he has stage four cancer. And so I spent five to 10 minutes just listening to her, encouraging her, telling her I'm going to pray for her. Whether I'm going to change her life or not, I'm not changing the outcome of her husband and what the battle they're going through. But to be able to connect to somebody on a daily basis, even if it's the lady that I buy sod from, I don't talk to her very often. She doesn't really remember me at all other than I've been bugging the hell out of her for the past two weeks because it's been raining nonstop and I need that grass. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good clip, right? I need that grass. <laughs> um, but it's so beautiful that once you start living like this and part of your mission is to connect with people, mm-hmm. you'll find connection even if you're talking to someone about buying grass. If you're Absolutely. buying pot, you're probably going to have a good connection with them too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, one of my last questions for you is whether you want to go back in time and give one piece of advice to your 20 year old self, or you just want to talk directly to my generation, you know, what advice do you have for us? Some, some people, they probably, they probably are settling in life. Maybe they have a nine to five job, but they don't like yeah. what they're, what they're doing every day. And maybe they don't have a sense of purpose. They don't really have a sense of what they want to do for the rest of their life. What do you have to tell those people? Well, I told, I tell people that I was finally born at 38. Mm. I used to say reborn. I didn't have a life before 38. I'm born at 38. You could be born whenever you choose to be born. If you don't like your circumstances, I fell into that eight to five, nine to five, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And I was miserable. Now there are people that love their job. There are people that love serving the company and building something great with the company. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to be an entrepreneur because if everyone was an entrepreneur, we wouldn't have anybody working for anybody. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is given your life, wherever you're at in your life, you have the choice to make it the life you want. And the cool thing about it, you can make it whatever the hell you want to make it out of. If you want to travel six months out of the year, and still have your, your W2, you can figure that fucking thing out. It might not be with your current employer. It might not be with your current industry. Mm -hmm. Get creative. Cause once you start putting a lot of shit on your plate, but you know what you want to do, then you get creative. That's when the fun starts. You can come up with ideas and ways of doing things that no one's ever thought of doing. You can make your life, whatever you want to be. Last time you and I talked, at the end of the event at the Grand Canyon, I had mentioned my metaphor about a, uh, not an hourglass. What, what are those called? Uh, I'm forgetting my own oh. metaphor already. Um, uh, I remember you it know, too. the fortune tellers, like it's the, the crystal ball. Oh, yes. The eight ball. Yeah. 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 You shake an eight ball or crystal ball. Doesn't matter. Yeah. That ball is supposed to tell the future, right? Well, I have a crystal ball. Hmm. My crystal ball are the choices I make today because the choices I make today and then tomorrow is a new today. Every choice I make today dictates my future. So if I'm making the right choices by getting up at three, four in the morning, going to the gym, sticking to my diet, connecting with people, pushing myself in my businesses. Every time I make that decision, instead of deciding to fuck around or go out binge drinking or smoking pot too much or any of any of that stuff. Every choice I make will dictate my future. So as long as I'm making mm. choices that are in line with my mission and where I want to go in life every day, yep. my future is already set. It's in that crystal ball right there. Mm. I love that, man. I love that analogy. Yeah, man. So um, you're a huge inspiration. Um, everyone listening, definitely go follow Ace. He's He's been a huge inspiration to me. He's changed so many people's lives with his book, his podcast with, you know, you're kind of coaching people. Now you're speaking at these events. 
Um, so go read his book, Superhero by Design. Listen to his podcast, Superhero by Design. Um, follow him on Instagram at Ace Haggerty. Um, can you spell your last name for us? Yes, sir. It's H-A-G-E-R-T-Y. Solo G. Only one. Sweet. Only yeah, one guys. G. Yeah, guys, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, Ace has been a huge mentor to me and so many. I've seen what he's done. Uh, if you guys got something out of his podcast, definitely go follow him and you know read his book. Um, if you want to read his book, reach out to me and I'll buy it for you personally. And oh, I'll that's awesome, man. Thank you. For sure. And and I just want to tell your audience, DM me. That means direct message, right? Yeah. DM me. I love talking to people. I love helping people. It's just in my nature. I get people always are just so grateful when I'm able to to help them with something. You know yeah. how awesome I feel after helping somebody with something? Mm. Yesterday, a buddy of mine, uh, ex-business partner of mine called me. This guy's older than me. This guy is financially successful. Right. He's a badass. Yeah. He texted me yesterday. Hey, I'm kind of in a tough place. This guy's never vulnerable. Kind of in a tough place. I've gained a lot of weight. I've lost motivation. And I hate where I'm at right now in my life. Mm. And he was expecting me to just text him back. I called him immediately and we talked for the next hour. Wow. I already got him with a trainer that I used to train with. He already signed up. He's already correcting his life in less than 24 fucking hours. It, <laughs> that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And for me to be able to do that to someone I look up to, to someone who financially is way ahead of me in the journey. Yeah. But I was still able to add value because he follows me on Facebook. He follows what I'm doing. He knows mm -hmm. what I'm doing isn't shit, isn't bullshit. I'm not trying to get a buck. I'm trying to change people's lives. Yeah. I'm trying to add value. And the thing that Tony Robbins talks about for you listeners don't focus on the goddamn money because if you add enough value to people, the money's going to come. Right. So don't focus on the money, focus on the mission and everything else is going to set itself up. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Helping people is the most fulfilling thing and that's what you're doing day in and day out. And I have a lot of respect for you for that. I appreciate it too, man. I have a lot of respect for you just in the short amount of time I've gotten to know you. I am so impressed with who you are and how you present yourself and how you push yourself, especially at, at your age. When I was your age, 24, 25, all I did was want to go out to the bars, happy hours, karaoke, sleep with women. That's all I wanted to do. And yeah. did I have fun? Of course I had fun, but I wasn't living a meaningful life and it ended up making me very miserable. And I don't regret that because that's what got me here. But to right. see someone like yourself at such a young age, and I just love your mission because if you're getting men and women in their 20s to do what I started doing at 38, right? it's not that they have more time than me because I'm going to outlive all those motherfuckers. What it is, is we're going to have that many more people pushing this world in the right direction as opposed mm -hmm. to pushing it in the wrong direction. We need leaders especially young leaders of all ages, all ethnicities, all religious backgrounds. It doesn't matter. We need people to take control of their lives, to better their lives so that they can help other people. And that's when the world will change. It doesn't start from the top down. It starts from the, the bottom up. It's grassroots really movement. Man. Awesome, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on. Thank you for taking the time. And it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed, man. Thank you for having me on. All right. Take care, guys.